0: Hello and welcome to today's VJ Hemonk podcast. We are a global open access video journal bringing you the latest in hematological oncology. In today's podcast, you will hear from experts, Gareth Morgan, Raphael Fonseca, Leif Bergzagel and Keith Stewart, who share some highlights from day two of the Myeloma 2022 meeting held in Scottsdale, Arizona. The experts discuss several fascinating topics, including the biology behind the use of BCL2 inhibitors, T-cell exhaustion and its role in resistance to immunotherapies, and more.
1: So we're at uh, Myeloma 2022 uh, in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, my name is Gareth Morgan. I'm joined by three of my colleagues.
2: Rafael Fonseca from the Mayo Clinic in Arizona.
0: Leif berg from the Mayo Clinic in Arizona. And I'm Keith Stewart from Princess Margaret Cancer Center in Toronto.
2: It's been
1: uh, a great two days of science and interaction. And uh, today we're just going to wrap up um, the meeting and discuss some of the highlights of this
2: morning. So. Raphael, um, what, what was the highlight for you? Boy, there's so much to talk about, but I have a special place in my heart for venetoclax. And Larry Boyce did a fantastic presentation, as always, regarding the biology behind how we should think about BCL2 inhibitors, in particular, the selection of patients, the prediction of those that might be more likely to respond versus not, but really a very deep understanding of the molecular mechanisms regarding the, the, you know, the efficacy of this drug. So I hope to see a lot more of, like that, analogs, and also at some point, interestingly, he said, I won't talk about MCL-1 because it's just been a path of frustration, <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but we couldn't hope for something like an MCL-1 equivalent to what we have for venetoclaxis.
1: So do you think we can predict sensitivity to venetoclaxis in the laboratory now?
2: I think to a large degree. I think you, if you take a very pragmatic approach, I would still say 1114, you could expand mm-hmm. that by lymphoid morphology, maybe cyclin D1 expression. But we need to get to the point that we're, we're more precise than that. So you need that you know, last 15, 20% of patients, Dr. Gupta had the paper on flow cytometry. I think there's some of the functional work that mm-hmm. could be done as well too. But for our audience, if they're clinicians, just 11, 14 always think that venetoclax is an important tool. Yeah, and
1: it gives you options in uh, some of the earlier stages of disease and analog as
2: well. I of think. course. There's nothing more rewarding than seeing a second opinion mm-hmm. in someone who you find in the record on 11-14. Mm-hmm. I've actually used it now frontline in one patient who, mm-hmm. not quite frontline, but the patient was given a couple of cycles for primary plasma cell leukemia, total failure of therapy, sent to also. we actually used mm-hmm. combinatorial strategy, but we added venetoclax and the patient is an astringent CR. So so I hope to see more studies in that what area. What did you think about what he said about African Americans? Well that was very interesting. One of the things that uh, Dr. Boyce showed was that there might be a differential ability of patients that are African Americans to respond mm-hmm. whether you know even when they have this 1114. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that we have seen that there's other aspects of the 1114 that still need to be sorted out at Ash we saw the presentation that it, we know it's slightly more common in younger people and it might be associated with that genetic predisposition position to develop uh, multiple myeloma by the Mm -hmm. familial events in about nine percent of myeloma patients. So I think the story still needs to be connected a little bit better. Great. Leif, what what was the highlight for you today?
3: Well, the big takeaway for me was T-cell exhaustion. So the second half of the session today dealt with uh, the therapies that look so exciting, bispecific antibodies and CAR T-cells. And they're, they're really... I think the clue to, to making those therapies work better is to understand the mechanism of resistance. And we heard yesterday from Marta Casey that it looks like T cell exhaustion in a preclinical model was an issue. And then we heard today from Paola Neri with elegant studies in patients really seeming to show that T cell exhaustion was a major factor. And then Dr. Einzelheim in his keynote talk really dealt in how for both CAR T cells and bispecific antibodies in patients. T-cell exhaustion is something that we're going to need to understand better and to overcome. So, Dr. Einzelwey had some suggestions of one limiting the therapies for bispecifics, so he said maybe you know, three months as opposed to continuous. Mm. Uh, he also talked about checkpoint inhibitors maybe as a way of dealing with that. But I think understanding the mechanism of resistance and how best to use the, those therapies is, is the So, note.
1: a couple of interesting things came out of that. And so, I was fascinated by the spectrum of, of infections that occur in
3: these patients, and I wondered what you thought about that. Well, I, you know, I had never really thought about what's the difference between CAR T cells and bispecific antibodies, and then Dr. Imsley sort of explained it to me really nicely. With CAR T cells, you're exhausting all your T cells, whereas with, sorry, sorry with bispecific antibodies, you're exhausting all your CAR mm. T cells, whereas with CAR T cells, you're just exhausting the one CAR T cell. So if you exhaust all your CAR T cells, it appears that you get a a profound T cell immunosuppression, which is very different than what you're seeing with CAR T cells. So what was the highlight
0: for you? Uh, You know, just to come back to some things we haven't talked about already, I think that um, the protein-degrading drugs have huge promise, and and Dr. Kumar discussed those. We haven't seen any clinical results yet in myeloma. We're we're anxiously awaiting those, but the preclinical data looks uh, very impressive. Um, I think there were some important questions addressed about how much can one push Icarus degradation as the mechanisms of action versus um, other maybe bystander pathways. And then again, I think to re-emphasize what Leif said, the, the world continues to be just transforming in front of our eyes with uh, immunotherapies, T-cell engagers, CAR-T, and the, the focus now is clearly turning from their absolutely decimate myeloma on day one. Uh, but how do you sustain that over time? And there were a lot of different strategies talked about that potentially uh, could make the initial uh, blast uh, better. They could be upregulation of the the target with gamma secretase inhibitors, and there could be mechanisms to overcome T cell exhaustion by. So giving you presented some
1: stuff about targeted therapies and uh, targeting protein tyrosine kinases. So and we heard from Robert Olofsky about targeting RAS. So he, he actually came over a little th- negative about targeting RAS. What do you think about targeted therapy now in, the, in light of this amazing results with the immunotherapy?
0: Well, targeting specific kinases where there's a kinase mutation has not proven to be a very successful strategy, I think because of clonal escape. And I always think back to, um, uh, I think it was actually Larry Boise that first did the yin and yang curve. Mm-hmm. Of, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and the drugs that work in myeloma tend to target broad mechanisms of survival for plasma cells as opposed to specific targeted kinases. So, proteasome inhibition, mm-hmm. uh, being, you know, cerebral degradation. Today, I mentioned another possible pathway, which is a tar- targeting the lysozyme as another mm-hmm. you know, sort of broadly acting plasma cell survival strategy. So. My, my guess is for now that very patient specific mutation targeting isn't going to get us where we need to go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I think if we continue to look at things that keep plasma cells generically alive, whether it's NF kappa B or whatever, that's where we'll have most success.
1: So I heard uh, kind of terrific messages about understanding disease biology, targeting disease biology, targeting the immune system. And so What I'd like to get a comment from each of you is around how do you think we're going to go forward in the next couple of years to improve patient
2: outcomes? What do you think is really going to make a difference? I think I would say that, A, we've learned that combinations are the way to go. And that's going to be true for targeted therapies. I think the overlap that you have by the various mechanisms of potential escape or clonal heterogeneity could be covered in a larger fraction of patients if we do that but also very early introduction of the best therapies is gonna be critical. So the designs that we saw, for instance, from the EMN, where they're gonna use bispecifics you know, post-transplant. We're seeing CAR T cells up front. I think lining up all those players is gonna be you know, critical for our success. And I've always believed, I'm being quite open about this. I do think myeloma is curable. Only a small fraction, but it's curable. But I think if you bring all these players together, that fraction is gonna grow.
3: So we have great tools. How are you gonna use them, Leif? That's exactly what I was gonna say. You, you stole my thunder. Um. I, I think I think maybe we're all thinking the same thing. But you know, I guess, you know, how else might the field change? I, I wonder if we're maybe moving away from uh, continuous therapy with the idea that we can we have all I mean, when all you've got is you know malphalan or thalidomide, mm-hmm. you know, you use it indefinitely. But now that we've got all these different therapies and we can get such deep responses, I I think you didn't mention MRD. There's something. Really, you know, going for the minimal uh, uh, residual disease, using that as an endpoint, and using all of our therapies to get there.
0: So we heard a great talk from Dr. I thought, Martin I thought Leaf was honestly to say we didn't need Mel Flynn anymore. <laughs> it going to be
2: a historic. Moment. And I'm going to say we don't need fish anymore. We're going to go to M.R.D. Yeah.
0: Anyway, with that? I think, so, like I think these guys have covered it. I think we're we're going to. You know.
1: So, so Tom gave a great talk. So, is Carti the only winner? That's that's where he was implying the great. Uh, multi-log reduction in disease burden?
0: There's absolutely no doubt that that CAR-T therapy is the best thing we've seen ever in our lifetimes in terms of controlling myeloma in the acute setting. I think we need longer follow-up, we need to manage toxicity better, we need to figure out to get it into more patients um, with the manufacturing delays, but uh, as far as I can see right now, I'm kind of on Tom's side, there's nothing being quite as powerful as CAR-T therapy, particularly with the the sort of bivalent uh, CAR-Ts.
1: Okay, so, so thank you guys. I
0: think, it, I think it will replace transplant if you want to be yeah. So autologous, yeah. th- The, the yeah. days
1: of autologous stem cell transplant are definitely limited, I, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So th- thank you guys. It's been a great meeting. Um, it's never a great time to be a patient, but I think there's more hope for cure at the end of this meeting after seeing these new, new tools that we have. And I think I'm very excited about the way forward and getting more people into deep, deep responses and keeping people in those responses permanently. So thank you guys, and uh, thanks for your great answers to the questions. Thank you. It's been
0: been another fabulous meeting, and we hope to see any of you in the audience who are interested. We'll be back uh, in Madrid next year, 2023. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VJ Hemonk and subscribe to VJ Hemonk Podcasts on Spotify, Apple and Podbean. Until next time.